Good morning. Wondering if we could just pray together. We commit this time to you, Lord Jesus, uh, as we reflect on what you have done through this ministry year, what you have taught us, what you have shown us, how you have shown up through this time. And I pray that you will be brought glory. I ask you to come now, fill me, Holy Spirit. May be your words and yours alone that I speak. And may all of our eyes be turned upwards to you, for you deserve all the honor and glory and praise, for you are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to get to finish our ministry year this year, this restore here on earth as it is in heaven, by just doing a bit of a reflection time, a bit of a reprise on what it is that we found ourselves reflecting on, talking about, and experiencing together over the course of the ministry year. There were a few themes that we talked about over this ministry year. We looked, we started with reframing, looking at what the gospel message, the actual kingdom of God actually is. Then we took a look at how the kingdom of God impacts our relationships through our Relate Orange October series. We then took a look at how the kingdom of God has a different set of currency and a different set of rules and way of doing things than earthly ways. And so we looked at the Beatitudes in our Reverse series. Then during Advent, we couldn't help but focus on rejoicing because of who Jesus is and how he came to earth as a baby and brought the kingdom here for us. And then in our next series after that, we focused on returning, looking at a three-part series from Isaiah where we were focused on going back to what is the kingdom of God and let's put it first. Let's seek God first. Then we looked at the Sermon on the Mount in our Redefine series. What are the things that Jesus said really mattered for us to be focused on in his kingdom way of doing things? And in Lent, of course, we looked at reborn because we all have this opportunity to be reborn into the family of God because of Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. We looked at Renew, where we talked about parables of the kingdom, where we came to a deeper understanding of what Jesus was saying his kingdom was like, that enables us to have a new life here on earth, that he came to give us life and life to the full, and that the things that the enemy robbed us of can be restored and renewed in us because of Jesus' power. Then we looked at actually being restored through the presence and the power of the kingdom, the work of the Holy Spirit in us and through us and around us, bringing back what was intended from the beginning of time when God created this world, the peace, the beauty, all of the things that he really wanted for his children made possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we looked at remake. We looked at the future kingdom, what was to come, that this here and now is a reflection of what is to come because of Jesus. And each of these themes that we talked about was full of powerful truths, some convicting revelations, and some very practical applications to our lives so that we could understand how we could actually live as though we believe that the kingdom of God is here now. It's not just some sort of future thing that we have to hold on to and hope we get to experience one day in heaven. No, that this is something that is available to us here and now because the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
We talked a lot about the role that the Holy Spirit plays in restoring earth to be here on earth as it is in heaven. How it's not actually something we can do in our own strength. We can try really hard to be good people, to do good things, to make a difference in this world. But if we're going to actually live out kingdom of God stuff here on earth, it can only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it's as we choose to surrender to him, as, as we choose to obey him, it's as we choose to let him lead us that we begin to see more and more of his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And as we heard in the video, there were three things that we hoped would come out of this series together. The first is that we would all collectively come to a deeper understanding that the kingdom of God is a present, not just a future reality. The second thing we hoped we would achieve is that we would begin to identify ourselves more fully with our heavenly citizenship, with the kingdom of God here on earth. And that because of those first two outcomes, that it would change the way we look and engage, look at this world and engage with this world. So let's start by taking a look at the first outcome together. <clears throat> that Forrest Brookers would come to understand more fully that the kingdom of God is a present and not just a future reality. Embedded in that outcome is a hope that we collectively and individually would come to this deeper understanding of the kingdom of God. We all have an understanding, but we're all at different places in that journey. So for each of us to go deeper than where we were before. In doing so, that it would remind us this isn't some kind of church doctrine, and this isn't some kind of just future hope. This is our reality now, that we have a promise that we can actually begin to experience now, here on earth. In Matthew 13, verse 34, we read Jesus explaining to his disciples what is meant for people to actually feel and experience in coming into an awareness of the kingdom of heaven. And he says this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had, and he bought that field. If we truly understand what is available to us in this kingdom of God here and now, if we were to truly grasp what is available to us, what we actually are meant to be experiencing in all of its fullness, we would be so compelled to go all in, we would figuratively sell all that we owned so we could ensure we had access to that treasure. That's what it means to have a deeper understanding that the kingdom of God is actually here now. There was nothing more important to that man than that treasure in that field. He was joyfully willing to sell everything that he owned, joyfully willing to give up all because he knew that that treasure that was there for him was way better than anything he already had access to or owned in his own personal life. And in fact, it was just the discovery of the treasure. He hadn't even had the treasure in his possession yet. Just the discovery of the treasure created such joy within him that he sold everything joyfully to have access to it. 
That is what we are supposed to be able to experience in our Christian lives. The discovery that we have access to this treasure, this Holy Spirit power within us, this ability to have the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Compel us so much that we are joyful and joyfully willing to surrender all because that is way better than anything we could attain here on earth. What a way to go through life. This is what Jesus meant when he said he came to give us a full life. He didn't mean a perfect life. He didn't mean a charmed life. He meant a treasure-filled life, a Holy Spirit-filled a heaven-on-earth life. Imagine if we lived every day with that hope, that reality, that we have access to treasure to live our lives? What kind of richness would we experience? What kind of beauty would we feel ourselves experiencing if we were living that out day by day, where at the front of our minds every day was this reality? We have this treasure, and this treasure is mine because I'm a child of God. The kingdom of heaven is actually here right now. I don't have to hunker down and hold on to heaven. It's here right now. That's been one of the things that has been so powerful for me as we have gone through this series. I knew that in my head. But to be intentional about looking for and experiencing and embracing and um, living this reality, this beautiful reality that the holy God of the universe loved me so much that he gave me this treasure and that I get to live every single day of my life with him, with me, but in me. This treasure is in me. And I get to do life then with him, with this treasure in me. And life isn't easy, but it does bring joy to have that reality at the forefront of every single day. It's been one of the most beautiful things that I have reflected on and encountered. And I would say that for me personally, it became more of a, a, an experience and a life giving reality as opposed to a head knowledge for me over this past year. That was a treasure for me. So I'm going to ask you now, just quietly between you and God, what's the treasure that you came to realize that brought you joy over this past ministry series? Maybe it's something, it's a treasure that you've known your whole life. Maybe it's something that you came to realize for the very first time. Take a moment now, mark it. Mark it intentionally between you and God. God, this is the treasure I am most thankful for that you revealed to me over this past ministry year. Just take a moment and do that now.
It's really caught up in the worship of that. It's hard to get focused on what I'm supposed to say now. I'd rather just keep doing that. So the second outcome is that we would come to identify ourselves more fully with the kingdom of God of earth, which is in fact exactly what we were just doing when we were praising and worshiping him in that way. We were identifying with his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, and we were ushering more of it in by welcoming the presence of his spirit in such power and intensity. Now, as Christians, just by virtue of calling ourselves Christians, by having chosen to receive Jesus as our Savior, we are identifying with the kingdom of God, right? We are saying we belong to God. We are his children. But there's actually more for us than merely identifying that we belong to God, which in and of itself is an unbelievable reality, that we can say, I'm a part of God's family. I'm one of God's children. He loves me. I am precious in his sight. But that's not it. This is what treasure is about. It's not it. We also get more, more than we could ever imagine or ask for, Ephesians tells us. Because we can be saved, we can identify with God as his child, we can say, I know whose I am, and I will spend eternity with him one day. And yet sometimes what can happen to us is that there can be little to the outside eye that distinguishes us as different. We can oftentimes look a lot like the people around us, because you know what? There's a lot of really good, moral, ethical, kind people in this world that don't know Jesus. There's something about our citizenship in heaven that is meant to set us apart, that is meant to make there be a distinction between us and those really good, moral, kind people in this world. There's something that's meant to say, that is different. There's power attached to that. There's supernatural strength attached to that. Ability that can't happen humanly attached to that. That's what's meant to happen for us when we identify as citizens of heaven. After we, we are reborn into God's family and given that assurance of spending eternity with him one day, we are meant to start living as though we are in eternity here and now through the power of his Holy Spirit. Sometimes that means we have to surrender ourselves to the sanctifying work of the Spirit because there's stuff in our lives that needs to get out of the way so more of him can take over more of us. That's what it means to be sanctified. That's what it means for more of God's kingdom in and through us. That's what it means to have God's kingdom here on earth. More of him in us here on earth. We are God's kingdom here on earth because of his Spirit in us. So the more we give to him, the more we surrender to him, the more of his kingdom that's here. The more I become distinct from someone else who's good and right and moral. The more I become something that is set apart. Because it's not something I can do in my own strength. It's something he has to do in and through me. Jesus says in Matthew 6.33 that if we seek his kingdom first, everything else follows. That's what we're meant to do. And actually in verse 34, he says, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. So what does that mean? Does that mean if we seek God's kingdom first, there's nothing to worry about? 
Does it mean if we seek God's kingdom first, there's no more anxiety, no more mental health issues, no more troubles? No, that's not what that verse is saying. That verse is saying, if you seek God's kingdom first, if that's your foundation, rather than yourself, then you can rest in that. And you yourself, all by yourself, don't have to be the one worrying about tomorrow because now you're standing on me, in me, through me to deal with all that stuff. That's what seeking God's kingdom first means so that therefore you don't have to worry about tomorrow. If we aren't seeking first his kingdom, if that's not the foundation that we stand on and we're trying to do life in our own strength, there is no shortage of things that will sideline us. There's no shortage of things that will distract us. There's no shortage of things that could take us right out because this world is full of trouble. We'd be so preoccupied with worrying and trying to plan and prevent and deal with stuff, we would never get around to spending time with God and focusing on him unless we started with him and put him first. That's what that verse is saying to us. We aren't meant to do this life here on our own, by ourselves, in our own strength. It's too hard. There's too much stuff that would take us down. Doing it on our own never works out right. And why would we want to when we have this treasure? We were at the TFC game last night. I don't know, you may not know this, but we're a bit of a soccer family. And so we were watching the TFC game last night, um, and they had a first great 30 minutes. They were passing um, amazingly. I think everybody touched bunch of times they got three goals within the first 30 minutes and each of those goals was a build-up from the back to the front where I think every player touched it at least one time. Beautiful goals that just were a pleasure to watch even for someone who's not you know a full sports fan. <laughs> I don't know what happened after the first 30 minutes I can only surmise but so for the sake of this analogy I'm gonna impose my surmising upon it to make it fit. So um, after the first 30 minutes, it was kind of like they maybe got lazy or they stopped feeling like they had to be as intentional around playing together as a team. And we started to watch them deteriorate a bit. Players started to try to do it on their own. They started to try to take on two or three players and use their fancy footwork to try to get around them or make a um, fancy pass or meg somebody, which means putting it through their legs. And uh, what ended up happening? They kept all over to the other team. They kept losing the ball. The other team started to get chances to score, and the inevitable happened. Montreal scored. Only, only one. <laughs> only one. Because then they realized, we got to stop this. Soccer is not an individual player sport. You will not be successful if you as an individual are trying to take on the rest of the team on your own when you've got all these other players around you who are wide open and could receive the ball with a simple pass. Are you proud of me right now how I'm talking about this? Yeah. <laughs> a simple pass that leads up to the net and a goal. But when those players were playing on their own, trying to do it all by themselves, it wasn't working. As soon as they went back to playing the way they started, they took back control of the game, and they won 3-1. What did you just do behind my back? 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's what the way we're supposed to do this Christian life. Not on our own. Not in our own strength, because every single time, our enemy will steal the ball from us. And we will give him a chance to score. If we want to do this Christian life, if we want the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven, we have got to stop buying into the lie that we can handle it on our own, that we don't need his help, that we don't need his strength, that we don't need his power, that we've got it. And we've got to start saying, you know what? Jesus, I need you. I need you for every single thing in my life. That's what it means to have the power of God in us. That's what it means to identify as a citizen of heaven. That's what it means for the kingdom of God to be here on earth as it is in trouble. Now, that does, in heaven, that doesn't mean we won't have trouble, though. Jesus actually tells us we will have trouble. But we're supposed to take heart because he's overcome the world. So what does that mean? Then if we're giving ourselves to him and he's already overcome the world then we'll have access to what we need to handle the world. It means we don't have to do the hard things alone. And it means we don't have to do them in our own strength. We get to do them in heavenly strength. We get to do them with heavenly spiritual resources. And we get to handle them the kingdom of heaven way. The past eight months, I have lived my life well outside of my comfort zone professionally. I'm a therapist by profession, but um, we've been building a new building that we are bringing four organizations into, and I've been making decisions about things I know nothing about. VoIP systems, interfaces in the server room, whether to do one or two network drops, what kind of um, lights we're going to use, like stuff I'm still not sure I fully understand, and I've already made decisions about it. And I've had this water bottle on my desk every single day, which says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Philippians 4.13. And every single day, I have looked at this water bottle and said, I can't do this without you. But I can do all this through you when you're giving me strength. Now, that might not sound like a very spiritual, deep example, but this is what the kingdom of heaven here on earth actually means. It means every single thing, VoIP systems, network drops, whatever that seems totally too inconsequential or important in your mind to God actually matters to him, and he wants control of that too. And I can tell you, I've had a level of peace that I shouldn't have in light of what the past eight months have been. And I know exactly where it comes from because it's got nothing to do with me and everything to do with him. The kingdom of heaven way means five loaves and two fishes feed thousands. The kingdom of heaven way means water gets turned to wine. The kingdom of heaven way means that when we're weak, he's strong. The kingdom of heaven way means we can do all things through him who gives us strength, not ourselves. And here's the beauty. Here's where the joy about the treasure comes from. Because when we do it the kingdom of heaven way, not only do we get supernatural strength to help us with what's happening here on earth, we also get the blessing, the favor, the pleasure from Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, poured down upon us because we're picking to be obedient and living our lives in alignment with his will and purposes for our lives. As if it's not enough that we have his help. 
We actually get his favor and his blessing. There is no joy like the kind of joy that you get when you know and sense that he's pleased with you. There is no joy or fulfillment like the kind of joy or fulfillment that you get when you are intimate with him, when you experience him, when you feel him, when you see him at work with your own eyes and you see him showing up. We had stuff happen during this eight months of our building project that was clearly God. I had an extra half a million dollars be offered to me. Can you spend this before March 31st? <laughs> yes. Where did that come from? It was like manna dropping from heaven. And I could tell you story after story about that. Why is that significant to me? Because that was where I was at and what I needed. The kinds of things that showed me that he was there with me in this. That he would take care of me. That he would provide. And he has that kind of intentionality for each and every one of us. He wants to turn water into wine for each and every one of us. He wants to feed thousands through his word lives. Each and every one of us has access to that power, access to that kind of gifting, access to that kind of promise in the treasure that he has imparted to us. 2 Corinthians 4 verses 7 to 9 say this, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. This treasure in jars of clay is meant to enable us to handle this life. It's meant to free us. It's meant to bring us to full life. It is meant to usher in him in all of his fullness here and now so that people can see that is God. That all-surpassing power in that person's life is God. There's no way we can humanly explain that other than it's God. And he gets more here on earth as a result of that. So I'm curious, what are some things that you have felt over the past ministry year or you have noticed that have been highlighted for you or highlighted for someone in your life that we have access to because of this treasure as we've started to identify more fully with the citizenship that we have in heaven, and we start relying less on ourselves, what changes? What does this treasure in jars of clay offer us? I want to hear it. Shout it out. What are some of these things? Freedom. Blessings. Peace. Joy. Safety, healing, unconditional love, intimacy, confidence, purpose, resolution, assurance, hope. Resilience, lack of fear, love, trust, perseverance. It's a lot of really beautiful things. A lot of things that each and every one of us need in our lives. 
and they're available to each and every one of us because of the treasure in these jars of clay. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the hope. Thank you for the healing. Thank you for the help and the perseverance and the resilience and the love and the freedom for all of these things and more that we didn't even acknowledge because we haven't even got words yet to form exactly what it is that you've done for us and how you have helped us and changed us and freed us. We thank you for it. We give you praise and glory because of your sanctifying and helpful and healing work in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. We are children of God, right? Belong to him. We're part of his kingdom. He's made a place for us. Absolutely where he is, but also here right now for us as well. And so the last outcome for this series is that as we more fully understood and identified with our citizenship in heaven, with the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven, that it would change the way we engage with the world. Because the more exposed we are to his kingdom treasures, the more our view of the world around us changes. The more we seek his kingdom first, the more we see things through his eyes because of his spirit's work in us. And we start to want what he wants. We start to work for what he's asking us to work for. We start to become burdened for what he is burdened for. And we start to see the need and have a passion to want to bring his kingdom more fully here to those around us. Because that's what he came for. Because when we have personally tasted and seen and experienced how the kingdom of God offers freedom from slavery and release from captivity and beauty from ashes and joy instead of mourning, we want it for those around us. Because it starts to, to be something that isn't just up here and starts to be something down here. And we realize it's a way of life. It's just not a set of things to just know. When I, uh, Todd and I go out for supper someplace and we order our meals and I'm tasting mine and I'm loving it, I want him to taste it too. The poor guy, he's just really happy with what he's ordered. He just wants to eat it. But I'm always like, you have to try this. It's so good. And he'll often say, it's okay. I'm quite happy with what I'm eating here. I just would like to enjoy the taste. And I'm like, no, but you have to try it. It is so good. And most of the time he indulges me and takes bite of things he doesn't really care to take bites of because I'm a little bit persistent and because I just really want him to experience what I'm experiencing. It's not that I don't care that he wants his own meal. It's that I'm experiencing joy. I'm experiencing this explosion of taste in my mouth, and I don't want to hog it. I want him to have it too. How much more when it comes to experiencing the reality of the power of Almighty God in our lives, witnessing and bearing testimony to seeing him show up and do unbelievable, God-only possible things in us and in others. We can't keep that to ourselves. We can't hide that under a bushel. We can't have that be something we just have happen in these nice four little walls here of our sanctuary. It's got to be something we take out there. It's something God wants for everybody. And as we are more filled with his spirit, we start wanting it for everybody. How can we not? There's enough of him to go around. More than enough to go around. And it's as we have that passion for him in the lives of everyone, we are most aligned 
with what he wants. That is when we are most bringing his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Every good thing we do, every kind act, every effort to make life better becomes and living out of the promise of the mission of the reality that his kingdom is here. In Matthew 10, verses 7 and 8, Jesus says, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. So heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, so freely give. That's the call on our lives. Freely we have received, so freely we have to give. We need to share our food with people around us so they can taste the goodness, so they can have that explosion of flavor in their mouths too. Don't just hog it on your own plate. We have been called to freely give what's been given to us through the power of his spirit, not in our own strength. Please don't go out and start doing good things after today. Do what the Holy Spirit prompts you and tells you to do after today. That's when we're bringing the kingdom here on earth. So let's go into all the world. Let's proclaim what Jesus has done in our lives. Let's tell people how he's transformed us, how he's rescued us, how he's freed us, how he's brought beauty from ashes in our lives, how he's taken the broken and the horrid and made it into something that enables us to move forward in power and might and freedom because of him. Let's point people to him. Let's show them that the all-surpassing power of God is here right now. They don't have to just suffer through this life with the promise of heaven to come. They get to do this life with the heaven right here, right now, because of the Holy Spirit in us. Let's do this for him. And I promise you nothing is better. It's not necessarily easy, but nothing is better. Nothing's more fulfilling. Nothing is more joy-bringing than being in the sweet spot with Jesus than knowing we're living out the fullness of his calling on our lives because of his leading and his prompting and his filling and his power. Nothing will bring you more joy, even amidst difficult times, than that. Because the joy that we get is a heavenly joy. It's not temporary. It's not fleeting. It's not of this world. It is from above. And so it will sustain us it will fulfill us, and it will take us and propel us forward because it's from him. And that's what he wants for each and every one of us, no matter how young you are or how old you are. We all have the same call on our lives. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 24 says this. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything and hold on to what is good and reject or avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen? Amen.